Church, it's a good thing to be able to come together after a a flurry of events over Thanksgiving to have a moment like this together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, uh, to do this as a church family. And again, if you're visiting with us today, welcome to our family. We're glad you're here visiting with us. I would say grab your Bibles and open them up to, but I'm going to be in a lot of verses today. I'm going to be all over the place, so good luck on keeping up with me. Um, but I'll just throw the scripture references up there, um, one at a, or actually probably about two at a time. But I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I uh, hope you took time to say thank you, God, for the many blessings that he's given you. Even even if you had disappointments or, or uh, pains of ex- just bad experience, um, let me just remind you this. God is good. God is good, isn't he? I believe that to be true. You know, the early settlers, the pilgrims, they, you know, we, we read about them. They came to America to have a new start. They came in search of a, of a new freedom, and they paused to give thanks. And, but then when we look in the Bible, throughout the Bible, God's people are called to give thanks for all that God has done for them. We look at his attributes, his love, his mercy, his faithfulness, his goodness, all things which we should adore and which we should say thank you. So we've been talking about how do you love God? Now that question just floored me in eighth grade. How do I love God? I can't see, touch, feel. And we've been talking about that. We love God by surrendering ourselves to him, immersing ourselves in his word, obeying his word. But I also want you to know that we love God by giving him thanks. We love God in how we express our thankfulness. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do or say... As a representative of Jesus Christ, our Lord, give thanks to him through God our Father. Whatever you do, whatever you say, make sure you are giving thanks to God. Paul said that in Colossians and 1 Thessalonians, he said this. This is great. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, 18. Three verses, three of the shortest verses put together. Always be joyful. Always be joyful. Keep praying and give thanks in all circumstances. How's that for three verses put together? Isn't that great? Paul kept it very simple, very plain. Always be joyful. Keep praying and give thanks in all circumstances. And I love how Paul said, in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. I've heard Christians say to me, hey, Rex, how can I be thankful for this? I'm supposed to be thankful for all circumstances. Where did you hear that? It says in the Bible. Where at? In First Thessalonians, no, 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 you read that wrong. Be thankful in all circumstances. You don't have to be thankful for that bad circumstance you're in right now, but you can still be thankful in that circumstance you're in right now. You'll find a reason to give thanks. Give time. You'll see it. New Testament writers, they focus though on giving thanks for a primary reason. And that was the work that God did through his son, Jesus Christ. When you read through the New Testament, we read that Jesus Christ came to earth seeking freedom in a different way. Pilgrims came, what? Seeking freedom from where they were to a new land. Jesus came out of heaven, not seeking freedom from heaven, but coming to earth to give us freedom. That's why he came. We're the ones who were bound. We're the ones who were imprisoned here on earth by sin that trips us up and And uh, it's like a snare. It's like a trap at times. Hebrews 12, 1, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Both scriptures talk about this. 
In Hebrews it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily entangles us, that trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. You see, it's like we have this, we have this path that we want to live out on our faith journey, right? And I'm going to run that race, and it's just a straight shot, me to those double doors right there, right? But here's the problem. Life isn't like that, is it? Things get in our path, hurdles, obstacles that trip us up, that, that trap us. That's what the writer in Hebrews is saying. 2 Timothy 2, 25-26 says this, Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Gently instruct them. You don't have to get, if somebody disagrees with you on God's word, you don't have to get in a big heated argument with them. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change their hearts. You don't have to change your hearts. Let God do that, okay? And they'll learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and they'll escape the devil's trap. For they've been held captive to do whatever he wants. The devil has schemes. He has traps, right? And when we read this sin, it's like, it's like an obstacle course. Now, I've, been, I've never ran any of these races before. Okay, these, uh, they call them tough mutters or there's other names they give to them, Okay. If I've ran a race, it's, and i got to go back in the day, it's just a straight shot, okay? Hurdler, not happening. My last name is Stump. I'm low to the ground. There's a reason for me not hurdling, okay? Not going to happen. Other obstacles, you'd think you jump into that water, and it's, it's not going to be that, that difficult, right? But you get in there, and your feet sink into the mud, and now it's harder actually to get through that than what you thought. Sin does that. Sin entangles us. Sin trips us up on this race. Satan entices us. We're often lured by what the world shows us. Wanting more. Here's here's a simple trap. I'm going to lay this out for you, okay? So you can sort of catch on. Often our pride, our selfishness, tells us every day that we need stuff, okay? If you're on social media a lot, you're going to discover it more than anybody else and not even realize it. Because you're going to see things that people are doing, places people are going, things that people have, and you're going to compare yourself to them. And and a lot of times it's not intentional, it's just unintentional. And you realize, man, my neighbor's got a nice car. I should have a nice car. I should have a nicer car. Right? And we start comparing and we start wanting more until we feel like I don't have what they have. What happens when you don't have something that somebody else has have? You feel a bit lesser value. I'm not as good as they are. I'm not as rich as they are. I'm not as blessed as they are, as we want to throw that word out as Christians, right? I must not be as great a person as I have. I'm, I get, then all of a sudden our emotions start to tumble down now. I'm not as happy now because I don't have all that. You see how that all works? It's a simple trap. It's a simple snare that slows us down. And that kind of thinking is dangerous. That kind of thinking is false. We have to guard against those moments. When we focus on that which we don't have and we forget what we do have. You may have a closet full of clothes and you walk in there and you're like, I don't have a thing to wear, right? I said that in the first service and I had some men. Seriously, I had some men out in the, out in the first service. They're like, like nodding at their wife. I was like, ooh, I'm glad she can't see that. Now, I know this. Women have eyes all over their head. She saw it, okay? <laughs> but gentlemen, some of us are that same way too, aren't we? We're like, man, I don't know. I I need another tool in the, in the garage. You've got a whole wall of tools. I know, but I need one that's a little bit shinier, right? Um, I don't think I have that exact size, so I probably ought to get one, right? Our, uh, our children, 
They're, they're with their friends all day long. They could be with their friends for 10 hours. And they're like, can I stay one more hour? No, you need to come home. But why? You know, it's like, are you kidding me? You had 10 hours. I'm saying no for one more hour. What are you focusing on? That which you did not get, right? That one hour? Instead of focusing on, what did you, you just had 10 blessed hours, didn't you? Do you see how that works? We're always focused on what we don't have, what we wish we had instead of what we did have, what we experienced. A lot of us, you know, we just experienced maybe a, a, just a, an incredible amount of food, right? At Thanksgiving, and you walk away, and it's like, oh, look what they had. Are you kidding me? Remember what you had? You had a buffet, okay? None of us don't have that. What do you focus on? Remember Adam and Eve? They had a whole garden, a whole garden. There's one tree that they were not to eat of, right? What did Satan do? Satan came to them and said, hey, um, didn't God say you can't eat of that? And you, you know, you shouldn't, you know, why is that? What did, what did Satan do? He put their focus towards the one thing they were not supposed to do. Satan didn't come down and say, hey, you guys, man, you are super lucky. Wow. Look at this whole garden. You lucky guys. Bye. Didn't do that, did he? No. Satan comes in and goes, man, look at that one thing you can't have. Wow. God's holding out on you. He must not love you. You're just not blessed, are you? Do you see how it started in the very beginning of Genesis and today we're still doing it? The wrong focus, wrong attitude can quickly lead to anger, disobedience, stealing, jealousy, and just the sins sort of pile up just because of the wrong focus, right? That's why Thanksgiving is so good to stop and not think about the things you don't have, but the, what do I have? Focus on that. You truly are blessed. I heard this week, that after the president's uh, wife, she, uh, she wore this uh, plaid, red plaid uh, jacket. They brought in the Christmas tree to the White House, and she wore it out and, you know, for the pictures and everything. And uh, the, the guy on the radio said uh, they, it was reported that after she wore that coat and everybody saw it, within hours, it sold out in the stores. Because the president's wife, and again, please listen very carefully. I'm saying this very respectively. I'm not picking on her. I'm using this as an example. That's a $4,000 coat. Everybody wanted a $4,000 coat because the president's wife wore it to get the Christmas tree. Hey, we're going to get our tree today. I'm not spending $4 on a coat, okay? I'm going to get what I have in my closet. I'm going to, okay, $4,000, I could buy a used car with that, right? Okay, that's, that's going on in my mind. But So what would, what would cause me to want to spend $4,000 on a coat? Because I don't have it. And, and look, she's got it. If I wear what she has, I'm going to impress everybody. That's dangerous thinking. That's dangerous thinking. Are we a people that are so enslaved to pride? We are so enslaved to materialism. We are so enslaved to rebellious attitudes. We are so enslaved to anger, to porn, to drugs. We're so enslaved to all these things that they drive us down the wrong path. Yes, we are. That's the gospel. We're all sinners. That's why God said, I'm going to free you from that enslavement. I see you're struggling with that. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save us where we are. He did not come down and say, I'm going to take you right now to heaven and get you out of earth because I see you're struggling. What does God do? He sends his son, Jesus Christ, to earth to save us where we are at. What a wonderful gift that was to us. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 to 25 says this, For all have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. 
Yet God in his grace, listen very carefully, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ, now listen again, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. He came to free us. Verse 25 says, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood, which we just partook in. That's when God saves us. It's through Jesus Christ. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he made, that's when we find that freedom. Titus 2.14 says he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. What about yes? Well, what about yes? To free us from every kind of sin. To cleanse us, to make us his very own people. Totally committed to doing good deeds. Church, listen, Jesus is God's son, God in the flesh. God left the throne room of heaven. Think about this. God is not embodied by anything. Time is not a thing for God. He is eternal. He's not restricted to anything, embodiment or time. But when he came to earth, he was now placed into a timetable. He was now flesh and bone. He now was embodied, no longer free spirit. And to me, we should be thanking God for that. That he would give up that to become this. But he did more. Let's remember, Jesus was arrested. He was falsely accused. He was beaten. And at one point in time, before he was crucified, a soldier came and took a thorn branch and took it and weaved it into a crown. Understand the kind of thorns were more than an inch to two inches in length. They weren't just little things that would like prick you and poke you. These things would stab you. When you go in the Bible and you look for the thorns, what do you discover? Just sometimes do a search in the Bible under thorns and see what you find. It takes you all the way back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 says this. And to the man he said, since you listened to your wife, God's talking to Adam and Eve. They just disobeyed God. They took partook of the fruit, right? That one tree, they, they, they gave in, right? God now talks to them and says, since you listened to your wife, you ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. The ground is cursed because of you. All your life will be a struggle to scratch a living from it. Listen very carefully. It will grow thorns and thistles. What is the fruit of our sin? Thorns. All the way back to Genesis chapter 3. God shared with Moses in Numbers 33, and then again in Joshua chapter 23. I want to read those verses to you, 12 and 13. It says, If you turn away from him, clinging to the customs of the survivors of these nations remaining among you, and if you intermarry with them, now again, Joshua, hearing what God says, talk to the people. You are a separate nation, but you've now moved into a new area. Do not intermingle with them. You are God's people. These people do not believe in God. Don't intermarry. Don't mingle with them. Don't create partnerships with them. He goes, then know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive them out of the land. Instead, they will be a snare and a trap to you. Listen carefully. A whip for your backs and thorn brambles in your eyes. God was saying, these people, you are a holy nation, and you are now to take this land, but do not partner with those who are unholy. If you do, they will be like 
thorn brambles in your eyes. He goes on to say the same thing in Judges chapter 2, where he says they'll be thorns in your sides, and their gods will be a constant temptation to you. We are Christians. Christians are set apart from the world. But when we choose to be like the world, the world is not going to be anything but thorns in our sides. Rebellion results in thorns. Proverbs 22.5 Corrupt people walk a thorny, treacherous road. Whoever values life will avoid it. The fruit, the results of our sins is thorns. And when we picture the thorny crown that was placed on the head of Jesus Christ, is it possible for us to see our sin piercing the head of Christ? Because that's what the thorns were, representing our sin, our rebelliousness. And it was put onto the head of Christ. And it wasn't just set on top. It was pushed down into the head of Christ where it pierced his skull, not his skin, his skull. When you look at the pictures of Christ on the cross with that thorn, let it be a reminder. He is wearing our sin. We feel the fruit of sin daily. When we mess up, when I, when I mess up, I feel shame. Don't you? I feel guilt. Like I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be doing this. I'm embarrassed. I get anxious. I probably should have done that. But Jesus, Jesus was sinless. He was perfect. He did not feel the shame, the guilt, the anxiousness. He didn't feel that, did he? But when he was on that cross, he became sin. He who knew no sin. On the cross, when that thorn crown was placed on his head, when he was on that cross, it's like an avalanche of sin just came upon Jesus. He had to become sin. He had to feel the sin. He had to feel the the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment, the anxiety. And from that cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why would he cry that? Unless in that moment, he took all of our sin upon him, which he did. He came to free us from sin. That moment on the cross was a freedom cry for us. But first, before we tasted freedom, he had to taste our sin. And he tasted our sin. And he bore it, and he became it. And he took the thorns for you and I. And when you think about all that, and we just partook in this, what an incredible day to say, thank you. Thank you, God, right? We have much to be thankful for. We have much to thank Jesus for. For what he did for us, we should be saying thank you. It isn't just like he held the door for us so we could walk through. Oh, thank you for holding the door for me, right? He, didn't, he opened the door to eternity for us so we could come through. Romans chapter 7, verse 25. Why don't you turn there, would you please? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. It's in the New Testament. I put it on the screen, but you can open it up on your Bible as well. Romans chapter 7, verse 25. The reason I say open up, because you might want to underline verse 25, the very first part, which says this. Thanks be to who? One more time, church. Thanks be to who? Thanks be to God. And it goes on to say, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, I love this. This is chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because through Christ, the law of the spirit of life set me free from sin and death. 
I deserve sin and death. But you know what? Thanks to the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm free. I'm so free. I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I, I've never been to a prison, okay? So I can't testify to this. But if I'm thinking if I've been imprisoned and somebody opened the door and said, you're free to go, I don't think I'm going to be like, oh, great. I don't know what I'm going to do. I would be like, yes, right? Run through that open door. We've been set free. I'm looking, who, who freed me? Did somebody, somebody bail me out? What happened? Find that person. Thank them, right? Jesus Christ has freed us from sin. Thank him. Thank him. We're talking about what loving God is. And we said, how do we love God? Church, we're gonna, this Sunday, next, next week, we're going to move it. We've been talking about loving God. We're going to talk about loving others starting next, next month. But as we wrap this up on loving God, I want you to conclude with this. Loving God is recognizing what God did for us and saying, thank you. Thank you. And how do we say thank you? How do we recognize what he did? You know, we surrender, we immerse ourselves in God's word, we obey his word, and we say thank you, right? After Thanksgiving, I just sent this email out yesterday and I posted it on Facebook. I sort of felt like I just needed to say something, okay? So I did, and I'm going to repeat it here, okay? But here's what I basically said is I think about this. After Thanksgiving, some of us were just packing, we're just our leftovers might still be on the table. And some of us, we're quickly packaging them up and wrapping up. Why? Because we got to get off and get our shopping in yet. Okay? Because the Black Friday sale started on Thursday. Okay? And so I'm, boom, I'm out there. Some people like shopping. Some people don't. Some people like, hey, I want to get out there because I'm going to save a few dollars and I need to save some money right now. The good deals are coming. So let's go. And so, boom, you're off. And you're out till late or you're up early the next morning because Black Friday sales are going on. Get out there in that morning, right? And then we got some a holiday parade. So some of you are in the holiday parade. Some of you are in it. Some of you are around it, right? It's, then it's small, small business Saturday, right? So let's go support our local businesses, and, and help them out on Saturday. And, and then, then don't forget all the arch rival games that were going on. Now, I did send a text out to our staff last night say, no football talk from the pulpit. Okay, we're going to be kind to everybody today. Okay, all right. I'll keep moving. Okay, so anyway, um, big games, football, a lot of parties going on, a lot of people visiting, hanging out with each other. And then in the beginning of the week, tomorrow is Cyber Monday, right? And that's where you get to spend more money. If you haven't spent enough yet, Thursday night, Friday, or Saturday, spend some more online because you're going to get some great online deals. Some of your phones are blowing up already like, Cyber Monday, get this deal. Cyber Monday, get that deal, right? It's coming in, right? You got to get them. Tuesday, if you have any money left, you have hashtag Give Tuesday. Okay, which is where you give money to a charitable cause, a nonprofit organization. So please, any leftovers, crumbs, give it to the charity. Okay, that's Tuesday, right? So that's all going on. It's like just slam big, right? But we forgot one day. Thursday, Thanksgiving, Friday, Black Friday, Saturday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, hashtag Give Tuesday. Oh, Sunday, I forgot. Salvation Sunday. We forgot about Salvation Sunday. Salvation Sunday is when you get up super early. And you put on the coffee, the caffeine, and you get here five minutes early because you can't wait to get to church. And then you come in here just waiting. I'm going to greet at least ten people today that I've never met before. And I'm going to say hi to them, give them a big smile. I might even give them a hug. It's stretching a little bit, but if you count Mike Fogarty's hugs, those are worth five. Okay? So, and then you keep going around. Caves, cave, you got about a four and a half getting close to a five. Um, you don't pull it in tight enough like Mike does. Could you see Mike and Cave hugging? That would be like crazy, wouldn't it? Okay, sorry, bad picture. Anyway, so um, 
where was I at? Oh, yeah, and then you're in here, and, and you're like, I'm going to get in the front row because I can't wait to sing and just belt it out, and then, and then maybe Rex is going to preach something, and he might spit when he's talking. I can get sprayed, like, hit me, Jesus, okay? And then, um, and then when the service is over, I'm going to leave, and I might just come back for the second service. I might even call up the staff and say, could you do a third service this Sunday? Because this is Salvation Sunday, right? No, no, why would we do that? We already got all these other days, so why would we throw that in there? It's a whirlwind of events, isn't it? And I sort of sarcastically say all that. But let me, let me pause. This is why we're here today, okay? Where did you get that money to spend? Where did you get that food that you ate on Thursday? Who provided all this for us? Who provided you with a vehicle to get here or legs to walk in or air to breathe or a chair to sit on? Who gave that to you? God did. Thank you, God. And those are just all the little nice things. We already mentioned the ultimate number one thing he gave us, his son Jesus Christ, right? We learn to give thanks by practicing the presence of God. That's what we're going to do today and encourage you with. Just practice the presence of God. I don't know how to give thanks to God. Just practice the presence of God. What do you mean? I'll give you a thought here. Next Sunday, try, try doing this from, from here on out, okay? On Saturday night, start preparing yourself for Sunday morning. You know, get your rest, right? Sunday morning, when you arrive, take a few minutes out in your car and just pray before you come in. Maybe you want to pray before you even leave your house in your garage, okay? Before the arguing starts. Just, just pray like, Lord, I just want to have an awesome day today when I worship you. Just pray that before you come in. And when you come in, have the attitude of, I just, I just want to greet somebody that maybe I haven't met before. And, and shake a hand. Enjoy the company of meeting others. If you, have, if you are ADD or ADHD or some other acronym, I don't know, um, where you're easily distracted, okay? Because I'm not that, but I am easily distracted. I have a hard time sitting in the back, so I try to put myself towards the front. Because if I see people in front of me doing stuff, I'm like, ooh, what are they doing? You know, right? And I, I do that. So it's, I try to put myself near the front, okay? Um, if you have, I, I've had parents come to me with little kids and say, I'm so sorry my baby was crying and was making noise. It's like, that's okay. I get it. I had three kids. Um, they, you you know, I went through all that. I understand. That's why we got a nursery. That's why we got the TV in the lobby. You can always go out there, and then when they calm down, bring them back in. That's fine. I get it. It's okay. But, I mean, look for those things that might distract you and then just realize I can't be near that or I need to position myself differently. Or if during a song you're singing and you're like, I'm losing focus, just stop where you're at and just pray. Like, Lord, I'm losing focus here. What am I singing? And maybe during a sermon you, you hear uh, maybe something I say, you read a verse, and this happens too. I'm sitting there and somebody else is preaching, and, and I don't even, they said something and it triggered a verse I'm reading, and I read the next verse, all of a sudden it's like, ooh, yeah, write that down. I could come back and read that later. All these kinds of things are, are practicing the presence of God. When you come here, you say, I want to meet God. So you sort of prepare all that stuff around you. What I'm doing is I'm clearing out the hurdles that so easily trip me up so that I can get where I need to be. That's practicing the presence of God. Nine o'clock every night, we get the text message in our family text. What are you thankful for today? I've shared this with you. I'm so thankful for it because here's why. There are some nights I look at that and I'm, I know it's coming at nine o'clock. I got to report back to the rest of my family. This is what I'm thankful for. But there are some nights I'm going... It's not rolling off the tip of my tongue. I've had the whole day, and I know I'm thankful for a lot of stuff. But because I'm not practicing maybe the presence of God, I'm not really thankful. 
So it's like, okay, this is a good moment for me to pause and be thankful. Set a reminder on your, on your clock or your somewhere to say in the middle of the day, just pause, give thanks. Practice the presence of God. Slow down, read his word, consider who God is. There are incredible scriptures throughout the Bible in which, you know, we don't have time to read, but I'll mention this one more. I got this text one time. It's up on the screen. See how small it is? I had no clue what it was, okay? I was like, Ty, Tyler, Tyson? You know, I was like, and I was like, I had no clue. And it took me a long time. Somebody said, it's thank you. Serious? Serious? Okay, now I'm not going to bash anybody that replies with TYs out there, okay? But I just, I was sitting there going, we have become so fast and furious and busy in our lives, we can't even slow down to say, thank you. It's like, TY, boom. Really? Now, again, I'm not going to slam you for this one, but I want to encourage you, okay? Slow down. Take time to say thank you. And even as I was preparing for this message a couple weeks ago, I got done, and I was writing down some notes, and I got my vehicle. I was off to go speak at a workshop, and I'm driving down the road, and I got behind a car that was going 53 and a 55, okay? That bothered me. I don't know why, okay? I, it's like, I got to get to the workshop. I got to get to the workshop, okay? And it's like, mm, double yellow, double yellow. I can't do anything. And so finally, I get to a stop sign. They go left, and thank you, good. And then I'm on Ridge Road. I get on Ridge Road. I'm serious. It's like three seconds. I get on the Ridge Road, and... There's a big garbage truck there, and the guy's got the cans on the road. So I go, slow down around the garbage guy. All right, good. And then here I go. And then here comes a double-wide load trailer that says extra wide. You know, it's like, what are you doing on Ridge Road? Okay. And there's a bridge right there. It's very narrow. And I'm like, oh, slow down. And I'm thinking, I get it. 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 All right, God. Three times you had to tell me, slow down, slow down, slow down. After I just got done writing notes about practicing the presence of God and slowing down, God's like, oh, by the way, here's a reminder. Church, are you hearing me on this one? You want to give thanks? Slow down. Practice the presence of God. Worship team, would you come forward, please? You can't practice the presence of God from a distance. you got to draw in close, draw in close. In, in the book of Luke, there's an incredible scripture where Jesus comes across these ten lepers. Leprosy um, separated you from society. Leprosy kept you from being with other people. Leprosy was one of those things like, I'm an outcast, right? So these ten lepers are off by themselves, and Jesus is at a distance, it says in Scripture. At a distance, they cried out, Son of David, have mercy on us from a distance. And Jesus looks over at them, and he says, go show yourself to the priest. Now, if you go show yourself to the priest, the priest then says, your leprosy is gone. You may now go back to your family. You can go back to work. You can go back to the, the, the temple and the synagogue and start worshiping again. So these ten lepers, like, awesome. They get up and they start walking away. One of the ten looks and he's like, my leprosy has gone. I'm, I'm healed. One out of ten turned around and came back to Jesus and fell at his feet. And worshipped him. And thanked him. I look at that as like, so basically, statistically speaking, not many people are thankful. Or not many people remember who to give thanks to. He did. That one came back. Remember how the story started? At a distance. At a distance, they cried out. And then when he went to give thanks, where was he? At the feet of Jesus. Draw near to God. 
Get into the presence of God and thank him. Don't try to do it from a distance. Come close. Spend some time in prayer. Pause today. Take a break. You're allowed to do that. Slow it down. Turn off the screens. Unplug from things. Be still and know that he is God. You can't know him if you're not still. Be still. Know he's God. Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I know the holidays get us running and we start going from one place to the next and, and, and life can get pretty hectic and crazy. So, God, I just, I just so thank you for the reminder today as we have this Thanksgiving service, as we took communion, just to slow down and give you thanks, to draw near to you and give you thanks, to look at the ultimate act of love, the gift of your son Jesus Christ, and say, thank you. And not just running in and out, but pausing, taking our time as we took that bread, taking our time as we sipped from the cup, taking our time as we looked at the thorns, our sin that pierced you, taking the time to slow down and realize that you forgave us. You freed us. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for freeing us. Thank you, God, for the blessings you give us. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.